Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you're listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. You gotta go turn it up now. Turn it up. Yeah! Yeah! about that scream? It was a man scream is what that was. All right, crowdfunders, how's everybody doing out there in crowdfunding land? You know who I am. I am your host, Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel. And what do we do on this podcast? Great question from myself here. I just did a good job of answering, uh, asking myself a question to prompt uh, my, next, my next sentences. So what we do here on Successfully Funded is we talk to project creators while their campaigns are active or just finishing up. So that way we can talk about some of the inside baseball, some of the stuff that they're doing to, to become successful. You know, how did they do Facebook? How did they do Instagram? What did they do for emails? Did they, how much money did they spend? You know, what's their dashboard look like? And our goal with that is to, to give you the most up-to-date information on what is going on out there in crowdfunding land, which is changing and social media is changing and, you know, there's always a new update somewhere and a new tool to do this and that and whatever it might be. There's always something, right? So we want to make sure that we are on the cutting edge of that so that you have the most chance of success, right? So with that said, you now might be wondering, well, Jeff, who is coming up on today's episode? That is another great, great question from my sidekick, uh, Jeff Wenzel over here, who's helping me out with uh, today's episode. Uh, we're talking to Eric Burke. Meyer, Berkemeyer, Berkemeyer, Eric Berkemeyer. At, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you know that these last names, they really are something, they're, they're, they, they bite me in the butt every time. So, uh, But Eric has a uh, successful Indiegogo campaign right now for the Riptide R1. I know, it sounds like I read that because I did just read it. Literally, I read it, but it's, it's called the Riptide. We're talking about electric skateboards and we're talking about cool cutting edge electric skateboards that the average person might be able to go out and buy. So we've talked to skateboard companies in the past and I think each one has their own little um, nuances and quirks as to why they're better or cooler. But this one is doing a great job over on Indiegogo and I always love talking to people who are, who are running a campaign over on that platform. Um, just because uh, I just don't see that many successful campaigns. I feel like the, the, the failure rate is a little bit higher over on that platform. But that's not in this case, man. This guy, uh, Eric, has, has, uh, has crushed his goal. He had a $50,000 goal, and he has, he's over 60, just under 64000 right now with 10 days to go. And obviously with him being on this podcast, he's going to have a huge, huge increase. So if you are out there and you are into the skateboarding land or surfing and that sort of world, and you, that's how maybe that's a part of your transportation, I strongly recommend checking out this board. Very affordable. They look cool. And according to Eric, you can ride them like a real skateboard. You can, uh, you can, you know, I think you can do stuff on them, tricks and whatnot. You know, what, what the kids are doing out there these days with the skateboards. So, so that's what's coming up in a few minutes here. But prior to that, man, boy, I've woke up in a, just a feisty mood, man. Um, and I have to blame this on f- my newsfeed again. And I'll tell you, over the weekend, uh, I, I am getting closer and closer to unplugging uh, more and more apps and devices from my phone. Um, and I think it's just stemming from this idea of we don't need half of the shit that we have to have here, right? So, you know, looking at this big, huge announcement from Apple about this new phone, and you look at it and you're like, my iPhone 7, I just got it like, I don't know, 10 months ago. It's really fast. There's nothing that I'm like, oh, if only I could take an even better photo. 
that would warrant me to have to go out and spend a thousand bucks on a new phone. There's nothing, you know, it's all marketing and hype. What's really going on? Sure, there's new technology. So, you, you know, so you got that sort of like vibe going on where you're like, none of this stuff really makes a huge difference. Then after that, you know, I, I, I get into my, the news and all of a sudden we're repealing healthcare again. Come on, guys, we're done. Nobody wants it. You know, if there's, you know, it's almost like you keep hitting on that girl at the bar and you don't take a hint. Take a hint. We're done. So I watched a Jimmy Kimmel thing today. I am so fed up and tired of who, who are these people? Who are they? Who are these politicians that think that this is like cool, right? Like, like that's their day. That's what they're doing today. You got to be doing something better with your life than, than ramming another fucking awful bill at us. And I just cussed. So if there's listen, I guess I should have put a pre-warning in there. I'm, I'm, I told you I'm ramped up a little bit. But it's just exhausting. And I am so tired of looking at my news feed and just being bombarded. And then after that, you've got another natural disaster, right? You got the, what happened in Mexico. My heart goes out to our listeners out there. I mean, that's, you know. And then you've got another hurricane coming. I need a little, I need a, I think we all need a moment to just whew, take a deep breath, <coughs> excuse me, and just have a nice normal, it'd be nice to have a nice normal week once, right? Where maybe nothing happens. Maybe, you know, uh, the boogeyman on all the different corners of life aren't attacking the average person, you know? And because that's what it feels like. It's an attack, right? It's a blatant attack. I already don't even know what healthcare I have at this point. I already try to avoid going and getting doctor exams. We talk about it over on the other podcast. I'm on Stan. You want to talk about, you know, why men might go to the, not go to the hospital very much. Maybe it's because of all this BS. Maybe because if we didn't treat hospitals as a scary thing or, you know, medical treatments as a scary thing or something that literally might, you know, bankrupt my family, maybe we might go and get that, you know, prostate exam. Maybe we might not go, you know. Maybe. I don't know. We're, we're, we're all uh, delicate creatures here, right? And if you're getting bombarded every day with, you know, old white men from Louisiana trying to take away health care or whatever it might be, I'm good on that, man. I'm real good on that. Those people need to go away for a little while. <sighs> Sometimes you just got to take a deep breath, right? I think after this call, or not after this call, after I record this intro and get this podcast up for tomorrow, I think I'm going to go take my two hours. I think today seems like a good day to just take a couple of hours to myself, right? I got campaigns that are active and I'm not really doing very well. So I got that going on, which is one of them is just a mind boggler because I can't comprehend it. And I think it has everything. Well, well, let's actually talk. Let's break that down a little bit. So we've got a campaign that's struggling right now. If you want to go check it out, it's Hubchair. And this is, will be an example of things that you can't predict when you get into a campaign, right? So on all accounts, this campaign should be doing really, really well. 5,000 email signups, good open rates. We've been spending Facebook ads for about four months. Big audiences. Well, let, you know, big could be, a, that's a relative term. I would say very good size audiences for a product that doesn't exist in the world. It's got tech, it's got an audience, and all signs are pointing to that this thing's gonna go well until we launch it and Houston strikes and then Irma strikes. And who's thinking about getting a cool camping chair when the whole world's underwater or earthquakes are happening? And this is one of those things that, man, I just stand back and I go, who, who would have thought that you know the world might be ending and that, you know, 
and not to be a conspiracy, I'm not saying that, but there is a lot of natural disasters going on right now. The Mother Earth is pissed. So um, my point is just one of those things where like you can plan and do everything you possibly think you can do and still run into a brick wall. So, but I have to, you know, I got to call myself and talk about it and say, that's what I love about crowdfunding because the opposite could be happening tomorrow. So you just never know and you just got to roll with it and, and continue to do your best. And, and again, um, I took a, took a lot from the, the old church service this weekend, which I know, I know, I'm aware, but, um, you know, really kind of stood back and, and, uh, was all about letting go. And it's something that I'm, I got to start applying because in this whole crowdfunding landscape, it is about letting go that I don't control, you know, the public perception of stuff. I don't control after somebody clicks and reads it and goes, no, I don't, I don't want that. I don't control if somebody goes, I'm not spending that amount of money. Mm-mm, that's not, that's, that's not worth it. I don't control that stuff. <clears throat> what I can control is what I do to some degree, what my team does, making sure we're hitting deadlines. But after that, <coughs> I apologize for the coughs, guys. I didn't hit the cough button either. I, I was dying there. I started choking. I'm gonna have to go get me some water. But, um, I digress. I digress. I'm all over the place. And let's keep it happy. Let's keep it focused because we're going to talk about skateboards here in a second, right? So uh, a couple things you can do for me if you are a fan of the podcast. What can you do, number one? Go leave a comment on iTunes. Thank you very much, crowd. All right, we want to make sure that you're leaving a comment over on iTunes if, you, if you're digging this. Say, I like it. Hey, this guy Wenzel, he's pretty cool. I like what they talk about. Good information. He's a good ranter. That's something you can do. Number two, have you signed up for the newsletter that comes out on Tuesdays and Fridays? I bet that answer is no. Go over to the website, sign up for that. That would that's I got other great info coming. Uh, I think you'll really love my five things I find on the internet that I put out every Friday. Where it's quick, it's to the point, and it's five typically five cool things that I that uh, that I'm into online, and uh, hopefully they'll they'll benefit you. So those are some things you can do. But right now, why don't you go and go over to Indiegogo? Uh, and search for the Riptide R1 electric skateboard and go support him, right? That would be awesome. Support, support local businesses, support new projects and new ideas. And uh, yeah, do that. That's another thing too. So, all right, with all that said, let's go ahead and kick in my conversation with Eric and let's talk about skateboards. My life would seem to and say Are you feeling stressed now? Um, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have any stage fright or anything now, do you? Nope. I've, uh, I've been through a lot of interviews about Reptile at this point, so uh, I'm uh, cool. more comfortable with it. Awesome. All right. I'm glad I got a pro here. So why don't we start <laughs> off doing a quick sound check with um, uh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? I have not had breakfast yet, so just some nitro cold brew coffee is all I've had. (laughs) All right, so just getting that burst of energy in, huh? Yep. All right, all right, cool. Well, I think we're all sounding good here, so why don't we jump into it if you're ready? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Awesome, awesome. So, Eric, why don't you tell my listeners uh, about what you are currently funding over on Indiegogo? Yeah, so I am funding the Riptide R1 electric skateboard. And so I don't know uh, if you're familiar with electric skateboarding or not, but there's a couple popular ones out, and basically mm-hmm. they're really expensive, and they're longboards. They're great for what they do, 
But me, being a college kid, I uh, couldn't really access these boards, and neither could my friends. So I wanted to make my own. So uh, about a year ago, I started working on some prototypes for the R1, and we launched on Indiegogo, I think it's 17 days ago now. And we've hit our goal of $50,000, which is awesome. So now we'll be able to make the first run of, of Riptide Skateboards. That's cool. Well, you know, because we don't have any visuals going on here, can you describe sort of what the board looks like and, and, and maybe, maybe uh, kind of talk about it a little bit? Yeah, so the board is really surf-inspired. So uh, I shaped it after my favorite surfboard to ride, the fish. Um, so it's kind of a pointed nose. It gets wider throughout the midsection, and then it tapers off on the end and has sort of a fish tail. I added handles on the left and right side. So when you're not riding it and carrying it, um, it's really portable. And it's got 83-millimeter um, wheels underneath. Uh, it's got a clean black battery box and then dual belt drive motors on the rear. Interesting. So walk me through this sort of, um, you know, when did skateboards start having batteries to them and, and being powered? I, I feel like <laughs> that's not what I remember growing up in the you know, 80s and 90s. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. So I've been, I mean, I'm, I'm 22 now. I've been skateboarding my whole life and, you know, it wasn't around for me either. And so mm-hmm. 2010-ish, um, some prototype, prototypes started coming out. But 2012 was the real launch. Um, two companies, Boosted Boards and Z-Board, both launched crowdfunding campaigns. And those were the first uh, brands to come out um, of kind of the Frankenstein DIY boards. Mm-hmm. And those two boards came out in 2012, saw some... Uh, some small success on the crowdfunding, but once they got the boards out in person and people started seeing these boards around, it really started to catch on. Uh, that's cool. So what allows you to do with a battery power that you can't do, I guess, just regular skateboarding? Um, well, first and foremost, you don't have to push. So what that means is now your skateboard goes from being a toy to being a practical mode of transportation. Hmm. Uh, so I live in San Diego where parking is pretty rough and traffic can be really rough too. So taking my skateboard instead of a car, you know, means I can get right to my destination, pick up the board, and walk inside. And I have to right. spend an extra 15 minutes looking for parking. Um, it also enables you to go up hills. So previously, you kind of have to pick up your board and walk up the hill. Now, with the uh, power underneath your feet, you can just scoot right up the hill. How, how does the power kind of get engaged, I guess? Is it, is it remote control? Is it you just turn it on and the wheels start going? How, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. So the Riptide has a remote control. Um, it has a lithium-ion battery that uh, powers two brushless motors. And so in my hand, I have a, a small remote, and pressing forward on the thumb throttle will make me go forward. And then if I pull backward, it has brakes. That's cool. So it's, I mean, it's a lot like driving a car. Interesting, interesting. So, I mean, how do you then, I mean, you get the idea, obviously, you know, you want to get an electric skateboard and you can't afford the higher end price ones. What is sort of the first step? Like, how, how do you go, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and design my own. That's, that's a big step, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is actually my second company. So my first company was called Shred Lights. And so uh, four years ago, I started making headlights for skateboards and we kind of, found the electric skateboard market and a lot of these boards were over a thousand dollars and didn't come with lights so i started selling a ton of lights to electric skateboarders and so i bought um, a couple of the premium ones tested them out i liked them like i already said they're too Mm -hmm. expensive and so uh, i have a lot of manufacturing overseas for shred lights 
And so I started asking those manufacturers, hey, do you or any factories you know um, have samples I can buy? Because I'm interested yeah. in, in making electric skateboards. Um, so I started buying some samples, and I broke a lot of them before uh, I got to the one I wanted. But yeah, I already had some manufacturing experience with shred lights, um, so that was that was definitely what, what launched it. Well, well, where does that sort of in, in your in your life path here? Where do you all of a sudden you get some manufacturing experience? Um, all by all by practice. So yeah. I'm actually still a student at San Diego State. And I'm majoring in television film production. Okay. So all my classes, you know, are how to write and direct a movie, how to use a camera. Mm-hmm. So all my business experience has come from hands-on learning and, and failing. So we've <laughs> definitely, you know, bought a lot of stuff that didn't work from China and, you know, kind of learned the hard way and found the manufacturers that we do like. We learned how to communicate with them better, you know, figured out international shipping. And I, used, I was able to guinea pig a lot of that with shred lights early on. Yeah. Um, and now I've grown tread lights, you know, in my full-time job and then been able to, to bring Riptide in. And I've already had that um, kind of trial and error experience with tread lights. That's great. That's awesome. So, you know, so you're in San Diego now, but where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Minnesota. Minnesota. So, so that was a big move. I, 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 it sounds like Yeah. That. Yeah. So me and, you know, my close group of friends grew up skating and snowboarding as much as we could. Mm-hmm. And everyone else played hockey. And it was always my dream to move out to California, where it's like the, the dreamland of skateboarding. Right. So when I was looking at schools uh, in 2013, um, yeah, I looked at San Diego State. I came out and visited. I skated and surfed every day while I was out here, and that was, that was the end of that. <laughs> what? I thought it was supposed to be for, the, for schooling. Huh? Yeah. yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> I, I should be getting my degree this semester, so I'm, I'm almost done. But yeah, definitely the, the skate, surf, snow culture brought me in. Uh-huh. And, and what did your, uh, or what do your parents do? Uh, my parents both still live in Minnesota. I have three older brothers that live out there, um, so whole family's back there. Uh, my dad grew up, uh, or when I grew up, my dad was always um, head of manufacturing at a few different companies. Mm-hmm. He always kind of moved around, but he was always kind of a leader of a team making hands-on technical things. So once I got you know into high school and I was able to ask him more in depth questions about what he did, definitely inspired me with how he was able to, you know, go into a new company, turn around their manufacturing processes, and lead a whole team of engineers. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and get results. That's cool. That's cool. And how about your mom? What did what did she do? Uh, my mom stayed at home with us for most of uh, my years growing up. She had four boys. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she actually um, started her own business uh, for a couple years. She was in the wedding business. She had a bunch of random stuff people need to rent for weddings. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't the type of person to run a business, but her, you know, bringing in all this inventory into my house and <laughs> having clients come by my house at the day during the day, and you know, seeing how uh, stay-at-home business might work when I was only fifteen or sixteen, right, right. and kind of not having to be involved, just watching my mom try really hard and just realize that she wasn't the person that wanted to run a business. Mm-hmm. It was really cool for me to see and it was really important in yeah. you know, my process of becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's great to have that sort of, uh, those sort of milestones or, or guideposts maybe around you to kind of point you in a yeah. new direction. That's, that's awesome. So, yeah. you know, so how long have you been working then on, on the R1 here, on the Riptide R1? How, how long has this process been taken? Um, it, it's been an idea from in my head for a while. So boosted boards are the number one electric skateboard. It's you know they're, they're very well engineered board. They've been around for a while. They really know what they're doing. Um, so when I bought my first one um, with shred lights uh, to you know to get product pictures of and stuff because that was our main customer. The first time I stepped on it, I said, "Wow, this is a great board." 
what I could do better. Mm-hmm. So really, the, f- the first time I stepped on some of these other electric skateboards, I knew that down the road, if, if I could, I definitely wanted to, to create my own and bring my own flavor of skate surf snow culture into electric skateboarding. So basically, the, the current electric skateboards are all designed for early adopters. A lot of these guys have never had a skateboard before a boosted board. Mm. So they're really easy to ride, they're really user-friendly, and they do it really well. So I kind of just saw a gap in the market for a little more higher experience board to come in. Something that's shorter, that has a tail, you can go on and off curbs with. It takes a little more skate experience to be able to ride. Ah, I see. So yeah, right from the get-go, I was like, this is cool, but I think I could do better. <laughs> well, well, over that process, I mean, what's been, or has there been a major roadblock or something that you've ran your head into where you just, I don't know, you had to change a design or something or something just didn't work? Yeah, I mean, there's there's almost 100 electric skateboard brands out right now, and it's inevitably a spec race. So, you know, who's got the biggest motors, who's got the biggest battery, what's your top speed, what's your wheel size, you know, and it, and it comes down to so many different specs, and you can't win on all of them. You have to pick, you know, what are the most important things that our demographic is going to be looking for, and we just got to nail those home. So, like, the Riptide does not have an app with it right now, which a lot of the other boards do. And so we had to kind of decide, let's not overcomplicate it. Let's keep the board simple, just what the user needs. And, you know, an app is cool, but it's kind of a bell and whistle. You don't need it. So just deciding, you know, what are these core elements of the R1 that we really need to put in and what our stuff maybe we could add on later that we don't need in the first board. Right, right. Let's go. Well, well my follow-up question to that would be, you know, what, what's the moment or is there a moment that, it really connected and gelled. I don't know the first prototype you got, or the first time you took it out, and I don't know did some cool move on it. Was there a yeah. moment that it just connected? It, the moment for me was when I first rode the deck that we have now. So we we tested a few other decks, and they were kind of off the shelf ones, and they weren't that great. So we we knew we had to make our own. And when I first got that fish shape I was talking about earlier and rode it. I was I knew that was it and I knew I had something special there. It's it was the most fun board and still today the most fun board for me to ride. It has that aggressive style and I can ride it unlike any other board. So the battery and motors at that point were still coming together, but I knew the deck was a clear winner and we haven't changed the design at all since then. That's very cool. That's very cool. It's always nice when you get that moment and you know it's Did you do any like testimonials of anything outside of yourself? Did you like have anybody or any of your friends ride on it and stuff? Yeah. Definitely, yeah. I got a lot of friends that surf and skate and stuff, and quite frankly, haven't thought electric skateboards were cool. And then when I showed them that deck, they're like, "All right, that's that's cool. That's something I'd I'd ride." That's <laughs> so that's cool. So you know, running a, a crowdfunding campaign is obviously a, uh, there's a ton going on, right? Tons of stuff to put together. <laughs> yeah. Um, are there any sort of tips or tools or techniques that you use to kind of stay focused and to make sure you're you know you're knocking out your tasks efficiently? Yeah, I use uh, Slack mainly for communication. Um, it, it works really well to communicate with my team. You can find files easily. Um, I really try and get my, my Google Calendar together. So I, <laughs> I put in my whole class schedule and shared it with my team so that way they all know when I'm in class. Right, right. Um, Don't email me at 1 to, o'clock. I'm, 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 you know where I am. <laughs> like, yeah. yep, yep, so that way you know, everyone can stay on the same page. Right. And you know, so, sh- so sharing calendars, so that way it's like, not, hey, are you available at this time? They can just look at the calendar and see. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's been big. Um, and then Google Drive. Yeah. You know, we, we create a lot of spreadsheets and a lot of documents in Google Drive. Um, it's free to use. It's got a pretty high uh, storage capability for us, so that's worked really well. That's cool. That's cool. And you, you mentioned the team. So what, what kind of team did you put together? 
Yeah, so I have a, a couple consultants. One of them's uh, over in China right now that uh, works that the at the manufacturing uh, house where I'm, I'm buying a lot of these parts and mm-hmm. stuff from. Um, I was able to bring over um, my employee from Shredlights uh, for customer support, which at Shredlights, you know, our lights are really good, but they're not perfect, mm-hmm. and a lot of customers buy them because our customer support is so good. So I wanted to really bring that into Riptide and make sure that you can buy with confidence yeah. and you know, you know, it's it's basically impossible to make an electric skateboard times a thousand that none of those thousands are going to have a problem. Right, right. So a lot of customers look for that support. So I was able to bring over my customer support team there. Um, And then I also have an advisor. So at San Diego State, I was in an entrepreneurship program, and I got assigned a mentor. And he's local, and he's been in the skate industry for over 30 years now. Um, And he's really a skate entrepreneur. So I really look up to him, um, and he's given me a ton of guidance along the way. That's cool. So when you're kind of putting together the team members and stuff like that, which is Typically, uh, I mean, that can be an uphill battle to find the right people. What are some of the attributes you're looking for when you decide, hey, I want to work with this person or I want this person to be around or whatever? Yeah, yeah. So Shredlights definitely helped with that. You know, I'd already kind of been through that process a little bit and tried to hire friends and family and learn that lesson the hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, when you're working at a startup, you have to wear multiple hats. You know, we need a small team to do a lot of different things. And, you know, some days... I'm I'm building boxes and I need people to come build shred lights and build boxes yeah. with me. And then other days, you know, we need to we need to analyze our web analytics, figure out where our traffic's coming from and do some higher higher level stuff. So basically I need someone that has some sort of core skill set coming in but is a self-starter and is willing to learn and doesn't take, you know, as much direction. So they don't have to be asking me questions all the time. They can kind of ask Google and <laughs> research the internet first and try and solve it on their own. And they can come to me and basically say, hey, here's a problem I had. Here's what I already tried that didn't work. Can you help yeah. me? And so I really look for that. It's cool. You know, so, again, we, we talked a little bit, too, about, again, the, the busyness of, a, of a, running a crowdfunding campaign. What are some of the things that you do to kind of unwind a little bit, though, so that you're not constantly, you know, in it with school and, you know, putting out you know, on your second company? Uh, what are some of the things you do yeah. to unwind? Um, well, I definitely surf. I live a, a block from the beach here in San Diego, so I get to sneak out for a surf, you know. I don't get to go for two hours all the time. I get to go for, you know, a few waves here and there, but living close to the beach is huge. Yeah. So, you know, I can go hang out and, and lay in the sand for a little bit, and I don't have to, you know, be there all day. I can go for 30 minutes and, and unwind. Um, I've recently been getting into uh, yoga and meditation more, and that's been that's been a savior. You know, doing school and two companies is, is too much for most people. And I think, you know, meditation right away in the morning, you know, I don't get to every day, but I try to as much as I can. So starting the day with that is, is huge for me. So, um, obviously you mentioned, you know, San Diego and stuff, but what's been like the, what's been the entrepreneur, um, community around you? Is it something that you're plugged into or is it mostly through the university? Um, the university is my, definitely my platform. Mm-hmm. So there, um, I started Tread Lights at what's called the Zip Launchpad, okay. which is an incubator for students to start companies. And so they, they gave me a ton of guidance early on. Um, they connected me with a ton of people around San Diego, legal support. Uh, they actually gave me uh, my first round of financing to get my first samples made. Um, and then I also joined the Lab and Entrepreneurship Program which is a little less hands-on but more networking. Yeah. So they'll 
email me, you know, about all these events around San Diego. And when I go there, they have a name tag for me that says San Diego State Lab and Entrepreneur. Mm. And so these guys that normally I wouldn't have access to see that I'm a young student entrepreneur and they want to reach out to me and they want to help me in any way they can. So, you know, SDSU has been huge in in getting connected around here. That's cool. And when you picked the school, did you have that sort of in your mind that you wanted to go down this entrepreneur, you know, rabbit hole? No, No? not at all. So so I actually came to SDSU for civil engineering, Mm -hmm. um, which in part was kind of just to make my parents (laughs) confident that I was going to be on a good job path. And then I switched to film halfway through my freshman year. And I didn't tell my parents till the end of the year, <laughs> but I switched right away. Um, and then, you know, I, I had to take out a lot of student loans, and I still owe a lot in student loans. And I was in my dorm room. I, I really remember one moment where I was in my dorm room, and I was looking at my computer at these student loans I had just taken out. And it said, you know, start make, you can make a payment right now. And obviously <laughs> I didn't have the money to start making payment yet. So I'm thinking, wow, you know, I can go through this for four years, I can hope to get a good job, and then I can start making payments, you know, a few hundred bucks a month. Or I can get out of my dorm room right now and do something right right now. And so, you know, I went and joined the Entrepreneur Society and kind of just went down uh, a path that led me to all these different opportunities. And, you know, it it was really just that pressure that I felt. And I was like, why would I wait four years and party? And why not, you know, start now? Right. That's cool. That's cool. Well, let's flip over to the Indiegogo cam- campaign, which is you know why we are chatting today. So, um, so you're currently a hundred twenty three percent over your goal. So you've obviously squashed that goal, and, and you're into overfunding now. Uh, <laughs> but but what was sort yep. of the mindset of number one going to crowdfunding, and number two, why Indiegogo? Yeah. So um, crowdfunding has seen a ton of electric skateboards recently. So that was. A bit of a worry, but also a bit of confidence going in. I mean, don't you we're not trying to remake the wheel. We know it works, so that's why we wanted to go with it. Um, there was a lot of saturation in the market, so we had to make sure we differentiated ourselves and made our marketing really clear and why our board's different. So that was definitely a challenge. Um, we did think a lot about Kickstarter. So I ran a Kickstarter for Shred Lights uh, in 2015. And we failed miserably, but I learned a lot about mm-hmm. crowdfunding and Kickstarter specifically. And so Kickstarter, you know, gives you the platform and says, okay, go ahead and do it. And that's all right. I really give you. Indiegogo can assign you a campaign manager, um, a PR specialist. Um, they can even do full advertising for you if you just let them know how much you want to spend. They can help you run camp- ad campaigns on Google AdWords mm-hmm. and Facebook. So they just have a lot more resources, and they really seem to like, they invested more in their mm. projects uh, over Kickstarter. That's cool. That's cool. So what was sort of then the overall strategy that, that you started implementing before you launched the campaign? Uh, so I, I actually went around and did group rides. So in electric skateboarding, you know, no one wants mm-hmm. to ride alone. So there's uh, group rides are really popular. One of the most popular group rides uh, is in New York City. So I actually flew out to New York City um, a few days before our campaign launched and I was able to do a group ride there with about 45 guys, and I let all of them try the R1 in person before oh, the wow. campaign launched. So a lot of these guys have YouTube channels, and they were able to videotape the first reactions of the R1 and try it themselves. Um, and we went on a super fun group ride through New York City. So doing that, and then I've gone to L.A. and done the same thing, and I'm going to go to San Francisco and do the same thing, is really important because... You can only sell the board so sure. much through video. A lot of people want to see it and ride mm-hmm. it in person, especially with how many electric skateboards are out 
they they really need to see it in person. So getting the board underneath people's feet instead of just in front of their eyes has been really important. That's cool. And did you implement any sort of you know pay per click strategy, or did you have a budget for that? Um, not not super uptight budget. We kind of we were kind of risking mm-hmm. it. You know, we we knew that we could have gone to New York, and no one would have wanted to yeah. use the board. We we sent them pictures and videos and everything first, you know, to make sure that they wanted to. But yeah, there's, it's it's kind of a, a more underground way of marketing mm-hmm. it, and you know, there's a lot more risk involved with that. So it wasn't super calculated. Like we'll put in X and we'll get out right, Y. Right. It was like, you know, let's let's go for it, and I think we're gonna you know get a lot of backers. And thanks to the NYC eboarding crew, you know, we've gotten over ten backers from them, and they most of them backed in the first day wow, of the campaign. Huge. So it converted better than we could have imagined. Yeah. Has it, um, speaking of like backers and maybe your dashboard, has there been anything that's kind of sticking out? Like, well, that's weird that we've got a huge crowd in the United Kingdom or something. Or you know, has there any, been anything weird that you're looking at? Um, no, it's it's been pretty straightforward. Um, mostly in the U.S., we have a we're running the deal right now for a hundred dollars off um, the R1 and the R1 Elite, and that also includes free shipping in the U.S. Oh, wow. So that's driven a lot of sales in the U.S. So. Um, it's it's been you know pretty pretty predictable as far as where customers are, and again that ties back into shred lights. Um, I know where a lot of these guys have bought shred lights mm-hmm. from, so I'm able to target them. Um, with that being said, we're only shipping outside of the U.S. to Australia, UK, and Europe. So I think once we expand to full international shipping, um, we'll see a lot more of that. You're like, oh, I didn't know that country right, right. <laughs> was into electric skateboarding. Right, right, right. Well, that's cool. That's cool. So you mentioned what's is there an elite version of this as well? Is that what you just mentioned? Yeah. yeah what's the yep. two? So the R1, so the R1 starts at uh, four ninety nine, and that's just our base model. Comes with eighty three millimeter wheels, which gives you a seven mile range and an eighteen mile an hour top speed. And then we took the same board and put a, a bit bigger wheels on, which gives you eight miles of range and twenty mile an hour top speed with a little bit slower acceleration. Mm. And we also added shred lights, headlights, and taillights on that board. Gotcha. So, yeah, so it's it's the elite for, you know, the guys that are going to ride at night and, you know, want that extra mile of range mm-hmm. out of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for you right now, what does scale look like uh, for the R1? Yeah, it's definitely hard. Um, we're looking at international distribution. So there's a, there's a lot of... Uh, Holdups with shipping lithium yeah. batteries, especially in quantities that we'd like to get to. So with that, you know, we've really looked at what Evolve Skateboards has done. So they're based in Australia, but they actually let people um, buy the ownership in their country. So they've been able to more or less outsource their their distributing. Mm-hmm. So like there's Evolve Skateboards USA, and they own the rights to Evolve Skateboards in the U.S. So we're definitely looking at them and what they're doing. Um, we're thinking about stuff like that, but yeah, I mean, you know, we're still really young. So we'll look at you know how many backers we get and where they all are, and you know, figure out where we should focus gotcha. first. Well, I mean, you know, so if you had to predict in five years, where do you see kind of electric skateboarding in general maybe going? I see it more getting to the masses. So right now, it's still in really in the early adopter phase, and like when I post the the r1 on reddit or facebook most of the guys that see the post know you know where the battery's coming from they know exactly which type of motor it is they know you know they know the really intricate engineering specs of the board which says a lot about who these guys are 
Um, they're, you know, they're early adopters. They're really into tech. Um, a lot of them are over 25 and, you know, they have a full-time job that allows them to buy an expensive mm-hmm. product like an electric skateboard. I see it in five years getting more into mm-hmm. the masses where, you know, I'm hoping the R1 can be a lot of people's first electric skateboard. So coming in at the lower price point, I'm trying to, you know, make cater it to college kids and, you know, someone that could afford a $400 surfboard would now think about buying a four or five hundred dollar electric right, skateboard. Right. Um, so I see really just getting into more of the hmm. masses. Hmm. And do you see kind of uh, approaching traditional retails, the WalMarts of the world, and, and stuff like that, or m- being more niche? Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't want to go to big box retailers like Target or Walmart. Um, you know, just with the margins they want, you can't really keep mm-hmm. the quality as high as we want. But I do see going into surf surf shops and chains of surf shops, you know, around uh, California and Australia and, you know, wherever there's waves. I think the Riptide is a great addition to a surfer's quiver. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the waves aren't always great. So when the waves aren't great, surf the right, land, right? right? <laughs> That's right. So, so how about for you, particularly in the next five years? I mean, you're already on your second startup. Um, you know, is this something that you envision just kind of keep making new startups or is this one that you see yourself focusing on? I mean, you know, what are you envisioning for the next five years for yourself? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to graduate in December. Um, so then 2018 for me is, is where Mm -hmm. it really starts. You know, once I'm able to really focus on these companies and not have class anymore, um, I'm really going to be able to hit the ground running. I think, um, got these businesses you know on their feet already but i think i can really take them to the next level and i am definitely an entrepreneur at heart but yeah i'm taking it day by day you know i'm i love skating and surfing and right now i'm able to run a business that's right in that demographic so i i feel like i've already kind of hit the lottery with running a company i don't see how i could run anything that i'd be more passionate about so as of right now i'm definitely just running with these and that's cool yeah we'll see where we go i don't like to think yeah. too far ahead kind of That's take awesome. it day by day That's awesome so you've got 12 days to go on this campaign and obviously we talked about it you hit your hit, hit, you've already hit your goal so what are you doing to kind of keep the, the the fires lit is there any sort of strategies you're implementing outside of obviously talking on this amazing podcast outside of that one but what, what else are you <laughs> yes, this, this is, is it right here right uh, yeah this so, is one of them so what else? um yeah so so crowdfunding, I think a huge misconception of crowdfunding is that you launch your campaign and Indiegogo brings you a bunch of traffic and you get you know a bunch of money and you pocket most of it and you spend a little bit to go make the product, um, which is obviously very far from the truth. So it's a constant PR hustle every day, all day. You know, I'm reaching out to anybody and everybody that's interested in publishing something on the R1. And so, you know, I've lined up a lot of interviews with my school at SDSU. Um, so, like, tomorrow I'm meeting uh, with the radio station there. Um, we've been sending out some of the prototypes to YouTube influencers that review a lot of electric skateboards. So they're trusted in the community, you know, for their feedback on these new boards. So we only have limited boards, so I'm constantly sending them, like, one place to the next to the next to get in as many hands as possible. Did you have a strategy um, for, uh, for reaching yeah. out to influencers that you that you utilized, or, you did, or did you know? Yeah, yeah, we made a list. Yeah, we made a list, and we had you know our, our wish list in order of who we wanted up front, and then kind of who fell in after that. You obviously don't get everyone you want, so it was kind of like, okay, we got him, we didn't get him, who's next, and just kind of going through the list, um, really doing that. And then now that we are funded, you know, we're responsible for bringing in 
as of right now, 136 yeah, riptides. Right. <laughs> so, you know, now we're talking to manufacturers a little more in depth of like, okay, what can we start making now to make sure we hit our lead time of January delivery? Um, so we're definitely still on the PR, but part of my team is now working on, on the manufacturing side since it's a, a sure That's thing cool. now. That's cool. Well, Eric, man, you got a great product here, great campaign. So uh, can you tell my listeners where they can maybe dive into your world? Where can they find out more about you guys? Yeah, so uh, rideriptide.com is our website. Um, if you sign up for our newsletter there, that'll be the best way to stay up to date. Um, you can also check out the Shredlights website. Um, Shredlights are available, available for purchase now, so that can give you more of a feel for you know actual e-commerce mm-hmm. once we're live. Um, and then, yeah, I actually have a YouTube channel. Um, I did a vlog for the first part of 2017, and then I had to drop it. It was just getting too busy. But um, my YouTube channel is Berkness Media. So I've got about the first three months there. I did a vlog every day. And you can kind of see me going to school and running shred lights. Um, and Riptide is still pretty behind the scenes at that point. I didn't really want to make anything public, so you won't see much about Riptide in those vlogs. But kind of get into the life of Eric and you know what it's like to be a student entrepreneur. Very cool. Well, Eric, great job on a, on a great campaign. And I think obviously you're, you're still trending up. So that's awesome. And you probably have a big, huge last few days of the campaign. So uh, I wish you continued success on this. And uh, great stuff, man. Good job. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate this interview. And I'll, uh, I'll keep an eye out for more stuff coming from you in the future. Awesome. All right. Thanks, man. Have a good one. All right. How about that conversation with Eric? Cool stuff, huh? Very cool. Very cool. He seems like he's got a bright future ahead of him. I mean, he's on his second company and he's like, I think, what do you say? 22, I think. Yeah. So, wow. A lot of stuff there. A lot of cool stuff. So what song are we listening to? A song called Scars Unseen. This is a song that resonates every winter for me. I know it's my own song. I know that it's, I'm just smelling my own farts right now, but I get it. But I think if you listen to it and you look outside and if you're especially in the Midwest here and you look at the leaves changing and it's a, it's dreary and it's a little, that was a little nip in the air. This song typically connects. Um, and, yeah, you know, I wrote it because, well, the t- and, and look at the title. That might tell everything that you need to know. So, all right, guys. Uh, I appreciate everybody listening, and I will talk to you all later in the week. And, uh, all right, guys, go raise that money.
Scars, it's all.